Amen. Praise the Lord for that special as well. What a blessing it is to be able to come to church every Sunday, every time the doors are open, actually, to worship our Lord. Uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you would turn there with me. We're going to be reading verse 1 down to verse 9. The book of Acts records the apostolic age, the age of the apostles, and that was a transitioning between the Old Testament and New Testament as Jesus came and presented the New Testament. Then we had the apostolic age where the Holy Spirit of God would come and dwell within the hearts of all believers and seal them into that day of redemption. And so it's a transitioning, it's a tr powerful book in the Bible, but we need to understand why it's there. And it is, uh, it, the apostolic age was only uh, as long as the apostles, the last apostles lived. And of course it was a transitioning again between that Old Testament, New Testament Christianity. And so here, Acts chapter 1, we're going to be reading the first nine verses. Go ahead and stand with me, we'll read the word of God together. The Bible says, uh, former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, revealing the gospel, revealing the teachings of Christ, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. After his crucifixion and after his resurrection, showed himself for the next forty days after the resurrection to the apostles. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, during this apostolic age. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom age. There will be a kingdom age, and he will establish that. For a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ is going to be the greatest kingdom that's ever been on planet earth. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall this is why you have this power to do this. Be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Wow. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you and we love you, Lord. Thank you for this truth of the scriptures and helping us to understand all things past, present, and future. 
And I pray this morning, God, as we present the message that you would have me to present from this passage of Scripture, each and every one would open up their hearts and minds and receive and apply whatever it is that you would have us to apply. Bless in the preaching of thy word. Pray that you would use me once again as an instrument in your hand to present your message to your people from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Month of June is our Faith, Promise, Missions, Emphasis Month. And uh, also, since Mother's Day, we've been preaching and teaching messages on the home. We have both here in this scriptures. We have the understanding of faith, promise, missions. We also have a message on the home. As we looked at Acts chapter 1, we find that the resurrected Christ is commissioning his apostles who would continue to establish New Testament church age. Jesus brought it. He established his church he prepared the disciples. He actually, after, the, after his resurrection, they had no doubt that he was the Messiah. For 40 days, he instructed them, commanded them, and what their part would be during the apostolic age while the people, believers, would understand and receive the Holy Spirit of God, which would take place then throughout the New Testament church age. When a person gets saved, whether you realize it or not, but God sends his spirit to dwell within you and it seals you to the day of redemption. You can't lose salvation, not because of who you are, it's because of who he is. And when you get saved, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And once you start learning about the Holy Spirit of God and you start yielding to the Holy Spirit of God that's inside of you, who's going to lead you in the direction that God would have you to go and understand the truths of the Bible that God would have you to understand, then you can accomplish the things that God would have you to accomplish. And so this is how it's, he's just presenting this in the very first chapter, in the first few verses here in the book of Acts. And so we have the, resurrection, the resurrected Christ commissioning his apostles with the same commission that the New Testament church has had for 2,000 years and will continue to have until the rapture of the church, until Christ returns to rapture the church. That commission is to take the gospel into all the world. Now, they're in Jerusalem. It's a key to understand this. Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. That's where they was at. In verse 8, he says, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where they're at. So you're going to be witnesses right here. And then at the same time, you're going to understand that not only are you to reach your Jerusalem, but you're to reach your Judea and in Samaria. And ultimately, what you're to do is have a part in reaching the lost all around the world. <laughs> wow. The Great Commission. Re 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 revealed to us through Christ in all the Gospels. And then again here in the book of Acts. After Christ would resurrect from the grave. Yeah. Shall be witnesses unto me. 
That means you are, once you get saved, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit enables you to represent Christ wherever you're at. And we are not our own. We're bought with a price. We are ambassadors for Christ, representation of him. That is God's plan, always has been since Christ came for all who would receive him as Savior. That means then, as we all shall be witnesses, we are to present the gospel to all the world beginning in Jerusalem. For the saved, our families are our Jerusalem. A connection there. When you get saved, then you are to reach those closest to you. You are to represent Christ to your family, your coworkers, your friends, your acquaintances, the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, the United States of America, but don't stop there. At the same time, the whole world needs Christ. And we have a missions month because as we are commissioned to do that, we cannot go individually into all the world ourselves. We can partner with missionaries who God calls and sends out through the church to be able to reach those in that area that God's called them to. And collectively, we all together, all believers, doing what God has called us to do, we can give the world an opportunity to believe and receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and that's what the world needs. That's what will turn the world around, and you'll have that in the millennial reign of Christ, (laughs) where the world will be ruled and reigned in righteousness by Christ sitting on the throne. Wow. (laughs) That's exciting to think about that. It really is. Missions is all about giving people opportunity to believe in and receive Jesus for eternal salvation. Can't save anybody, but you can give them opportunity. Once you receive Christ and you know what person has to do to receive Christ because we all get saved the same way there's no two ways of salvation there's one way to salvation Jesus I'm the way the truth and life and no man comes to the father but by me there's only one way and that is only through Jesus Christ your Jerusalem needs to hear that your co-workers need to hear that your extended family members need to hear that your state needs to hear that your country needs to hear that your world needs to hear that that's what he is presenting here in acts in chapter one not all homes are the same your home your mom and dad's home your brother's sister's home your co-worker's home 
homes in Indianapolis, homes in Indiana, homes in the United States, homes around the world, not all the same. The one thing we have in common, it's God's will for all in the home to be saved. It's God's will for all homes to be established in Christ so that all children are being raised to know who God is. According to Ephesians in chapter 6 and verse 4, God's will is for every home to raise their children, to be established in Christ, to raise the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So they will have the very best chance possible to believe and receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And then as they get saved, then they will have their Jerusalem, their homes, and they can make sure that everyone in their homes gets saved. And they can establish New Testament church, uh, uh, homes in their, in their lives and their families. And they can pass it on to generation to generation. Can I tell you that we are mm, 21st century generation of the church? Now, you might not have been raised in a Christian home. You get saved, then you are first-generation believers. And from your being saved, then if you do what God would have you to do, then you're able to reach your family. And then the next generation, your children will be second-generation believers in your home, out of your home. You might be able to trace it back to where that one grandma or that one cousin or whoever it might have been way back when they established salvation and they were able to win your family to the Lord and then you're, you were raised according to that very same way and understanding the Bible, understanding Christ and you want to raise your children that way, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you might be 10th generation believers or you might be 20 generation. Uh, there's been 20, almost 21,000 years, 21st century. Wow. Isn't that something? I mean, just that's knowledge. Christ knew that. The commission has not changed. Can I tell you, the homes are in trouble today. Homes are in the worst trouble in America than they've ever been in. Tonight, I'm going to be preaching a message on healing a hurting home. Healing a hurting home. This morning, I'm going to preach a message based on Acts Acts chapter 1. Living with the lost in my home. You're saved. But you're living with the lost in your home. What am I to do? All the lost are facing death and hell. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for all have sinned. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all are born with a sin nature. And because of that sin nature, we all are going to have to pay the wages of sin unless we accept Christ paying that wage of sin for us. And that's what he's done 2,000 years ago. He paid your sin debt and offers you forgiveness and cleansing 
and mm, salvation. Eternal salvation. (laughs) But you have to believe it and you have to receive it. Your parents can't do that for you. Your children can't do that for you. Your sister can't do that for you. Your brother can't do that for you. The pastor can't do that for you. It's you personally. You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every human being born in this life has a sin nature. And because of a sin nature, you will face death and hell. As we are all lost and all are facing death and hell until they get saved, and then Jesus has paid that sin debt, then they have everlasting life. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ. All the lost are facing that. However, there are different levels of lost. (laughs) You have to understand this. They're still lost, but there's different levels of being lost. How do you know that, preacher? Romans in chapter 20, go there with me. The Bible gives us a picture of what's going to happen at the end of that time. Before eternity, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. A great white throne judgment. Revelation, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20. <laughs> sorry about that. Revelation chapter 20, I just looked at here and all this kind of, I knew something was wrong there, but. Uh, <laughs> this is what the Bible reveals concerning the end of humanity before eternity. After this, there will be no more time. Leading up to this, there's time. There's going to be time leading up to the rapture. The rapture, seven years after the rapture, there's going to be a millennial reign of Christ. After a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, there's going to be final judgment. And there will be no more earth as we know it. There will be a new heaven, new earth, new bodies for those believers. But at the end of time, at the end of when this earth comes to an end and humanity comes to an end, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. People need to know this. Because there is a God to fear. There's a God who loves you, but there is also a God that you ought to fear if you have never been saved. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says this, And the devil that deceived them, and that's the devil that we face today, spiritual wickedness in high places, that's the devil, And the devil that deceived humanity was cast into the lake of fire, first of all, because it was prepared for him and his angels. It's a place to hold Satan for an eternity, and all those who fail to receive Christ as Savior will go to the very same hell. And they were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which the beasts and the false prophet are, that were cast there before Satan himself, And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now listen to me. This is the Bible. This is God's love letter to humanity. He wants humanity to understand this is what the future holds. This is a reality. And I saw a great white throne. 
And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. You can't hide. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, it's going to be a, uh, this, this great white throne judgment. There's going to ever, they're going to go into this place called eternal hell. But there's going to answer for their works. What would be the purpose of the different books of humanity answering to the works of humanity if there was not a different level of judgment in hell? And there is. For there to be a, a different levels of judgment in hell, hell is going to be hell, but a different level of judgment in hell, then there has to be different levels of the lost. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. Now, why would there be a judgment of works if they're going to the same hell unless there is degrees in this hell? Listen to me, there are degrees in hell. And the death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death, a physical death, first death. But there's more than just a physical death. There is an eternal death. Separation from God for an eternity. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, that's a different book. That's the Lamb's book of life. And you only get your name in the Lamb's book of life through salvation. When you get saved, you're in the Lamb's book of life. And if it's not written in the Lamb's, this book of life, then they were all cast into the lake of fire. That's Bible. what jesus presented to us you understand that that that's over two thousand years old as far as understanding what jesus gave us concerning the eternity eternity of hell and the end of humanity so there are different levels of the lost there are the lost who live as if there is no God, who have no light in them, and they live in darkness. They have no regard for the sanctity of human life. Why have regard for the sanctity of human life if you believe there is no creator God and we all just evolved out of sophisticated animal life? take God out of the picture that's all you become is just a sophisticated survival animal and you'll live like an animal outside of convictions outside of influences and whether you know it or not everyone even though you say I don't believe in God you've been influenced by those who do believe in God in the world that we live in Christianity changed the world it really did God changed the world through the witness of Israel. Then there's the lost, but almost persuaded. You're God-fearing. 
There's a difference there. Not to believe in God and be lost. And to be lost and know that there is a God. But I'm just not ready to commit. That baffles my mind. You're not ready to have given a gift of everlasting life? (laughs) You're not ready to get saved and receive the power of the Holy Spirit of God coming inside of you and sealing you to the day of redemption? There's no way you can die and go to hell as long as you know that you're saved. No matter what takes place, you're not ready to make that commitment. But there are. And that's the power of the devil to blind a person to those things. They're lost, but almost persuaded. I wonder how many will be in hell that will look back and say, I should have been more than almost persuaded. I should have been persuaded. I should have received Christ, but I didn't. Because you knew there is a God. Wow. And then there's the other lost but won't admit it. Religionist. I'm saved because I'm better than somebody else. I'm saved because I, I, my good outweighs my bad. They're lost, but they won't admit it. They're hanging on to religion. And they all say, I'm saved, but I don't want to talk about it. Can I take the Bible and show you what the Bible says a person must do to be saved? I don't want, I don't want to look at the Bible. I, I'm, I know I'm saved. Don't be bothering me with that. I don't want to talk about it. Listen to me. If you don't want to talk about it, you're not saved. When you know what Christ has done for you, you want everyone to get that. You want everybody to know that. You want to talk about it. You want to be eaten. the witness. That all believers who have the Holy Spirit of God, have been empowered to be a witness. Lost. Don't believe in God. Lost. Almost persuaded. Lost. Don't want to admit it. Want to hang on because I don't want to have to change the way I want to live. I've just got to believe I am saved. Because there's somebody out there that tells me I'm saved. And I'll gravitate to that religion. If I can do what I want to do. And still go to heaven. (laughs) Yeah. So. Living with the lost. Living with a lost husband. You know what you have to do when you're living with a lost husband? No, however you got there. You might have believed he was saved when you married him. You might have gotten saved after you got married. Now you're saved, but he's not because he didn't follow you. When you got saved, he didn't get saved. There's a lot of variables in how it could happen that you could be a saved wife and living with a lost husband. You might have been backslidden, didn't think it really mattered until you got married. Then you realize how much it did matter. But what do I do now? Living with a lost husband. You need to first of all determine what level of a lost man he is. <laughs> yeah. You need to determine what you're dealing with here. 
man that's living in darkness, blinded to the reality of God. Maybe this is a man that's almost persuaded. Maybe this is a man that doesn't want to admit that he's lost. But you need to know that. God would not have anyone live in an abusive situation. Mark that down right now. It's not God's will you stay with an abusive man, a lost man that's going to beat you or going to abuse you verbally or whatever. That is not God's will. But what is God's will is for him to be saved. It's God's will for all the lost in your Jerusalem, in your city, in your state, in the United States, in the world. And you're doing whatever, you, as a believer, you ought to be taking part in doing whatever you can do to help other people to have opportunity to be saved. You can't be saved for them, but you can open up opportunities for them to be saved. And that's what God would have us to do. Yeah. Starting with your Jerusalem. If you have a lost husband, that should be your daily prayer. That should be your daily desire. You ought to be praying for wisdom. You ought to be praying for help. God, help me to be the witness that I need to be to be able to get through to him and help him, whether he doesn't believe in God, to help him to believe in God, whether mm, he, he is God-fearing, almost persuaded, help me to get him over that edge to where he is persuaded. <laughs> you need to know what level and then start praying that you, God would help you to reach him on that level. Because it's God's will for him to get saved. First uh, Corinthians in chapter 7. The Bible addresses you with a lost husband. First Corinthians in chapter 7. Verse 13. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not. God knew that you were going to be, there was going to be people in that situation. And he says, this is what I say about that. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if, it be, if, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. The only reason that you are not to leave him is so that you might be the only opportunity that he has is going to have to get saved. If he's abusive or if he will not allow you to live the Christian life in front of him, then that's something different here. But as long as he's allowing you to live that Christian life, then he is open to salvation. He, there's a chance for him to get saved. And it's a chance that you, as a saved wife, might be the one to be able to lead your husband to Christ. And what a hallelujah day that would be. And we've witnessed it in this church many a times. I've seen it happen. I've been there called me over and I was able to lead men to Christ that were lost husbands to where you could unite them now as being saved and they have a whole lot more in common and they have a whole lot more they can accomplish for the cause of Christ at a saved marital relationship than a lost marital relationship. But it's all about wives being a witness. It's your Jerusalem. <laughs> it's your Jerusalem. You're to be a witness. 
What about a lost wife? You don't find that as often, but it is, I've, I've dealt with it several times over the years, and I've seen victory. I've seen wives come to know Christ as their Savior. Most of the time I've seen it, it's been the level, third level, where they just religion, religious, thinking they were saved, but not really saved, not wanting to admit they're lost. But the Bible addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife. The unbelieving wife. So you have a believing husband with an unbelieving wife. And the Bible says that the unbelieving, unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. And that says, else your children, un, un, your children unclean, but now are they holy. Meaning that they didn't have an opportunity before, but now even one saved parent has an opportunity to pass that influence down to their children. And that's a blessing and a help to that child. If both are lost, they're not going to pass down salvation to their children. But if you have an unbelieving wife, what do I do? Be a witness. It's your Jerusalem. Make it your most important ministry. Your most important accomplishment that you can accomplish is to get everyone in your home saved. Yeah. Be a witness. What about lost children? Understand this, parents. All children under the age of accountability are under the grace of God, but they're all lost. And once they reach the age of accountability, they're in danger of eternal damnation because they will have to make a decision. No one is automatically given salvation unless they're under that age of accountability. Then by the grace of God... And we've seen this, understand this through David and his child, but we won't do, go through all that, but lost children. What do you do, parents? Realize they're lost. Realize that's your first ministry. Be a witness. <laughs> the most important thing that mom and dad could, could do in their children's lives is for mom and dad to be a witness to their children. You being a Christian witness, a witness for Christ to your children, will give them the very best chance to get saved and to turn out right. It's your Jerusalem. It's your number one ministry. If you lose your children, what have you accomplished? It's your Jerusalem. God has given you a Holy Spirit. To help you to witness to your children and to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Use your position of authority and influence for as long and as often as you can. God's given you that. He's instilled within that child to have a love for its parents, have a desire for their parents. 
I've seen abusive situations where children have been abused, but because of what was instilled within them, they don't want to leave their parents even though they're being abused. That's something God instills so that you will have an opportunity to impact the lives of your children. And if you're not impacting it the way that God wants you to, mm, shame on you. Be better off to have a big old rock stone hanging around your neck and thrown into the deepest waters <laughs> if you abuse any of those children. Yeah. At your Jerusalem. Mom, dad, parents, be a witness. Command them after you. Command them after your lead. Don't expect them to do what you tell them to do without, first of all, giving them the lead on how to do it. Command children after your lead. Never try to force salvation. You can't do it anyway. And never tell them that they're saved. (laughs) Never tell them that they're saved. No. Your child comes to you, Mom, am I saved? I don't know. Are you? Dad, am I saved? I don't know. Are you? Well, I don't know. What, have you done what the Bible says? Have you done what, not what mom and dad say, not what the church says, but have, do you know for sure that you have done what the almighty creator God wants you to do, commands you to do before he can give you everlasting life? Do you know that? Don't tell them. Oh yeah, you're saved. I remember back when you were just a little and you went forward and, and now you're saved. Now you, they, they're going to base their salvation on your word. Your word will not get them to heaven. They have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had a eight years old when I got saved. It's like yesterday. I remember exactly. And it changed my life, even as an eight-year-old, because he never has left me nor forsaken me. I've always had the conscious awareness of God in my life. Even when I was trying to block it out, <laughs> he would not allow that to happen. Because I had the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me telling me, you're saved. You better live like it. Act like it. Yeah. Personal relationship. Lost parents. We bring in children. It would cause all of us just to break down in tears if we really knew how they had to live. Lost parents, drug addicts, alcoholics, on and on and on. What do you do when you have lost parents? You honor the position of parents as much as you can without sinning. Sinning is going opposite the will of God, the ways of God. You honor your parents as much as you can, but you represent Christ to them. Matthew 5, 16 tells you you're the light of the world. Be a light. You might be the only one in your house that is saved, but you are saved and you can represent Christ in your home. And that light of Christ through you can lead your parents to Christ, can lead your brothers and sisters to Christ. And I've witnessed it many a times. We brought in bus children and they, they, we helped them and helped them to know what to take home and how to act and how to love and their, their respect and honor their parents. And we see them bringing in their parents. Their parents get saved. What a change in a life. What a change in a home. Becomes more of what God wants it to be. 
God wants every home to be established in Christ. Where every child is loved and raised according to the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Sometimes it's the child in the home that will make a difference in their Jerusalem. <laughs> Amen. How about lost guests? I've seen so many parents mess up by bringing in lost guests into their homes and allowing those guests to influence their children. Adult children, relatives, friends, you allow them to move into your house. Now you have lost guests. Never lose perspective of giving people opportunity to be saved. If you condone and allow them to live like sinners in your home, you're condoning their sin, they'll never get saved. It's your home, your established rules governed by the word of God, you'll give an account for your home and whatever you allow to go on in your home, fathers, husbands. You expect for your wives to follow your lead and allow you to have them to submit to you. Expect your children to follow your lead and submit to you as authority. And you allow somebody else to come into your house and to live however they want to live without respecting your principles, without respecting your convictions. And you allow that to influence your family. That's wrong. I don't care who it is. I don't care what kind of needs they have. It is your house and you need to set them down. If you are going to invite them into your house, you need to explain to them no matter what their age, no matter what their connection to you, this is my house and these are the rules of the house. If you're going to live here, you're going to do this. You're going to do that and you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that because I will answer to God from my home. And I want God's blessings on my home and God will not bless sin. Living with the lost. Living with the lost. There's degrees of lost. And God wants you to be the witness. If I could have every head bowed this morning. Wow. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses for Christ. Are you that witness? Do you need to get saved? Are you almost persuaded? Are you allowing yourself to be blinded to genuine salvation? Today's the day. Turn it around. Invite Christ into your heart and into your home. Father, we bow before you. I love you, Lord. Thank you for the truth of the scriptures and what you presented to the apostles in the beginning of establishing new church age. I pray, God, that you'd help us even now as we've heard the word. Help each one here to make application there's someone that needs to be saved. I pray, God, today, right now, during this invitation, they would come to this altar. 
and cry out to an almighty God who wants to give them as a free gift everlasting eternal life. Help them to see that. Help them to believe that and receive it today. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.